was like a violent storm had gone through, leaving destruction in its wake. But early this Sunday morning, all is quiet. It is the lull after the storm. Or so it seems to Mary Magdalene. I'm going to tell you a story, but I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, so I have to back up just a tad. There is Jesus, the leader and prophet from Galilee. When his popularity had reached its apex in Jerusalem, just a week before, those came out to greet him laying palms, shouting, Alleluia, the Lord is here. And then by Friday, his enemies had succeeded. Succeeded in executing him in the cruelest way by crucifixion. There were soldiers guarding his tomb, and you have to wonder why they were guarding his tomb. Well, his enemies had heard that Jesus was supposed to rise again on the third day. However preposterous they found this notion, his enemies would take no chances. They placed guards, not just guards, but Roman guards. That way, his disciples wouldn't dare steal the body and claim that he had been raised from the dead. This would keep a lid on any of these stories rekindling of his rising from the dead. In that moist, bone-chilling darkness, the soldiers huddled around a sputtering fire as it flickered, dancing ghostly shadows on the tomb. Mind you, they were not afraid. They were just very ill at ease. They were anxious for dawn to come. They were anxious for the sun to rise and light the garden. Now, Jesus' disciples figure into this story also. They were the ones that were afraid. They were so afraid, so terrified that they had gone into hiding. They were afraid that they would be arrested because of their close association with Jesus. You know the saying, guilt by association. They were terrified. They're in hiding. No worries from them, smirked one of the soldiers. The crowds of pilgrims that had swelled in Jerusalem to the point of overflowing during the Passover weekend have all now gone home. They've gone back to their villages, bearing a disquieting story of how the Galilean leader had been killed. They are still angry, 
but the danger of a ride over the Nazarene's trial and execution has passed. This is how things stood just before dawn. Sad, tragic, so much hope, so much promise, but now it had come to nothing. A moment so full of exuberance has been crushed. Its famous leader cut down. Its disciples, the lieutenants, are now hiding in fear. The followers have scattered. But after this storm, life must go on. And that is when we meet Mary Magdalene. She has been one of the Nazarene's most devoted followers. She and some of the risen women had risen very early on that Sunday morning to go and honor the teacher's body. And they're headed toward the garden tomb, which was just outside the city wall. Within the tomb lies his body, cold and lifeless, on a rock slab. Mary Magdalene had actually been there on Friday night. Her own hands had helped wash and prepare the body. The women turned from the lane into the cemetery garden, walking rather numbly, one foot in front of the other, when suddenly Mary looks up and shouts, The stone has been moved! She runs into the garden, past the remnants of the smoky fire. The soldiers' equipment is laying there scattered and disheveled as if they had abandoned it in haste. She sprints to the now open tomb. The ribbon and the Roman seal that they have, they are guaranteed for security, hangs limply in the morning air. Where is he? She shrieks and she ducks inside. The darkness of the tomb and the concrete-like odor of the limestone hangs in the back of her throat and overwhelms her for a moment. As her eyes adjust there on the shelf chiseled from the wall of the cave, she can make out the grave clothes that have been folded very neatly. She asks, where is Jesus? The grave robbers! Out in a flash, she runs back to the city. I'll tell Peter and John, she shouts to the women as she passes them. And they continue on. And moments later, the women will see an angel who tells them, He is risen. By now, Mary is back in Jerusalem. She pauses for a moment at the head of the street where the disciples are hiding. 
hands are on her knees because she's been running and she's grasping to try to catch her breath. She pounds on the door, Peter! Peter, she cries. After a long pause, the disciple, who up until now all had acknowledged as the leader, opens the door just a crack. He looks up and down the street to make sure it is safe. And he finally motions for Mary to come in and he quickly shuts the door and bolts it. She turns to him and says, somebody has taken his body out of the tomb. We can't find him. Now, Peter and John are in a panic. They pull on their tunics, they lace up their sandals, and they dash toward the cemetery. Mary follows. Slowly, this time, their head bowed, <coughs> weeping. By the time she gets back to the tomb, Peter and John have come and gone. And the women that were with her are nowhere to be seen. She pauses by the door for a long moment, weeping uncontrollably. Then she gathers herself and steps into that cold chamber. The sun is rising now. It's casting long shadows in the garden. But this time, the tomb seems almost lit. Two men in bright white long robes that cover their feet rise as she enters. Why are you crying? She sobs out her story. They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. And then she dissolves into tears. When she looks up, the men are gone. She turns around, and in the silhouette of the door where the sun is a man. Oh, this must be the gardener. Surely he'll know. Surely he'll know. The man asked quietly, Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She begins her sad tale for a third time of the grave robbers who have desecrated the tomb and of the teacher who had healed her and restored her very life to wholeness. If you had taken him, she pleased. Just tell me where his body is. I'll see that it is retrieved and there will be no trouble. Mary? Very familiar voice. She looks up and in sudden recognition she yells, Rabbi! And she cries and falls to his feet. It is Jesus. It is the Lord. He is not dead. He is risen from the grave. He is alive. He is resurrected, as he said. The storm has passed. The sun has broken through the clouds. It is a new day. What does it mean? What did it mean to Mary? 
her desecrated Lord no longer lay in shame. He had been authenticated by God himself, who raised him from the dead. With his lifeless body in the tomb, confusing, confusing doubts had come. But now, everything, everything he had taught and said took on new meaning. She was actually forgiven by God. He would return. It was true. It was true. Indeed. Jesus stayed with them on and off for more than a month. But then he would ascend into heaven. But his spirit lingered and spread. Over the next few years, Mary would watch the Christian movement grow from 100 to 3,000 on a single day. At one point, over 4,000, more than one-fifth of Jerusalem's entire population would be believers. Persecution came, but instead of snuffing out this story of the resurrection of the Son of God, persecution caused it to spread all the more. The movement raced <coughs> like wildfire to the farthest reaches of the world. He is alive. Jesus is alive. Untold millions call him Lord. Amen. Now, old and facing her own impending death, Mary realizes one more thing that the resurrection means to her. That day in the garden, when she knelt before him, she had touched his pierced feet. They were no longer cold in her hands as they had been on that terrible Friday night. They were warm and alive. Yes, death will come soon for Mary, but she no longer fears it. For she has touched the one who has conquered death. And in her final minutes, she smiles and says, just loud enough for those that are standing close by. Death, where is your terror? Death, where is your sting? He is risen from the dead. Because he lives, I too shall live. Amen. Her eyes closed for the last time, and the sun is shining brightly. <laughs>
Hallelujah.